Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a podcast where we cover every single episode of the TV show Lucifer while praising the great parts and pointing out the bad parts and diving deeper than you ever knew you needed. Join us for the climax of the show, if you know what we mean. I'm Lena. And I'm Vera. And this is Season 6. Today we're talking about episode 3, Yabba Dabba Do Me. Thanks, I hate it. I'm gonna apologize, I hated the Lucifer Chloe part of this episode. I'm gonna try to hold back, especially since I loved everything else. I have my issues with it, my main issues is that it was completely unnecessary, but other than that, I had fun. So let's see what today is gonna be about. Lucifer tries helping someone he hates with Chloe's support, Mace tries helping a Menadiel on his field training day, which is not needed, Dan is trying to help the new angel, which she doesn't want, and then we end it all with a huge revelation in the end. Dun dun dun! And... Once again, German Amazon. God, somebody should arrest them. This is illegal. (laughs) After Lucifer learned that it is not that easy to not like someone whom you are helping, Lucifer goes to hell to make amends to a tortured soul who killed one of his friends. He's not making fucking amends. It's not not true. And just for completion, I want to also include the IMDb one for this week. And that is Looney Lucifer and Cartoon Chloe find themselves trapped in an animated loop. Alliterations. I love it. Looney Lucy and Cartoon Chloe. Oh my god. Thank you for this gift you have given. Thank you. I have given and you have received and you have appreciated. And this ends the summer wrath. Summer Okay, well, let's go to the obsessioneth of the weeketh. And this time I went very specific and went with Jimmy Barnes. I went with helping the worst. I call that a win. No. Boo. You went with a person and I went with... I mean, you're not wrong. He is obsessed with Jimmy, but no, this is not a win, my dear. I'm sorry. Mm. I am sorry. So it's one out of three. I'm sorry, my dear. All right, let's get into the facts and funs. It's a bit more than last week, but still not quite a lot. We have 10th time director Nathan Hope. Previous episode was Family Dinner. One more episode to come. We have 16th time writer Joe Henderson. Previous episode was Family Dinner. There's one more episode to come. And no, it's not the same for both of them. The title is set by Lucifer. Dum, dum, dum. Which... Makes you lose your prediction from last week and I'm still in the running. So it's one out of three for Lucy. In the 1980s themed Hell Loop, Lucifer sees and comments derisively on the use of guy liner. Thick eyeliner on the lower eyelid of a man. This is a callback directly to the show's first two seasons where Tom Ellis' makeup was visibly heavy with guy liner in many episodes. Thank you, IMDb. I would not have noticed it if not for the fact that Chloe comments on this. But, eh, oh well. I mean, I have that note in my notes for the scene, but who wouldn't? Who wouldn't put it down? Lucifer talks about it being a bad idea that Fox cancelled Bones, which is a dig at Fox for cancelling Lucifer at about the same time. Okay, IMDb, if you say so. Fox has cancelled so many good shows. And also, I'm not really sure that they actually cancelled Bones. I think that it was given that decision as much as it was given 
on Supernatural to Jared and Jensen and Misha. In this case, it was given to the main characters slash executive producers of the show. So as much as I loved the dig at Fox, because they are terrible and they cancel shows that should not be canceled. Yeah, I just wanted to include it because it's been a while since IMDb had any usable facts. Fair. And this ends the facts and funs. Ta-da! Shoo-ba-doo-ba-doo. Which means that it's time for Previously on Lucifer. Ella found a frog falling from a sky. Ames decided to be a cop and finally finished the police academy. He told Mace about that. Dan is in hell and seems to be making deals with the emo angel that just randomly showed up in hell. Chloe has a Menadiel's rod and is behaving erratically. And Lucifer is about to become God, but he doesn't feel ready. Is Chloe behaving erotically? She's behaving both erratically and erotically. Erotically. I suck at puns, but that kind of was... Up for grabs? Ah, that's what she said. Exactly. We get into the episode. Do we have a song to start us off? We don't, actually. For the first time in a, in a while, we start dry. We start with scratching pen, scratching on a paper sounds. So Lucifer is pouting because he's upset that he started caring about Carol in the last episode. And of course, he's blaming Linda for giving bad advice, which is classic Lucifer. Classic Lucifer, deflecting. And Linda decides that this is a great opportunity to get some more details about the first case that she's ever worked on with Lucifer, except it kind of blows up in her face. To flesh out the apparent book she's writing but not telling Lucifer about, which is Mm -hmm. Red Warning Flag! Yep, not great. Not great. It does blow up in her face, though, so I'm fine with that. I was so worried in this moment that this might be a flashback episode because they start to reminisce and everything. And given that season six is so short, I was like, this better not be a fucking flashback. We do not have the time for that. I mean, we could have used this episode or at least this side of the episode for a little bit more productive things i'm not gonna lie but at least it's not a full-on let's repeat what happened in episode one he has a very good point that if he manages to help someone he hates or even if he learns to care about someone that he hates that would be the necessary step in his perceived preparation to become god and this is exactly what happens at the end so the going full circle where we started with Jimmy Barnes, for him to be able to become God in the end is kind of poetic and everything. But for a moment there, I was worried. And I was very glad my worry was unnecessary. Well, that is all I have to say about this scene, because we are gonna head over to the precinct with a song by George Barnett that is called Up All Night. Do you think Ella was up all night looking at the frog? Yep, I'd certainly think that because she has that look in her eye when she's obsessed with something. Yeah, she has these haven't slept too much caffeine red eye stare. Also, she must be very tired because her asking Lucifer what he thinks how far a frog could fall and survive, I'm pretty sure she could just calculate that. Like, this is a math question. Probably, yeah. Also, she feels a little grumpy considering it's Ella, the sunshine Ella. No sleep. Yeah, no sleep was had. Yeah, it's she was definitely up all night. So what do you think is Ella's kooky theory that she is not over eager to share with Lucifer, which is also very un-Ella-like? At this point, we have two different options. Either she is guessing that it is one of the plagues and therefore the divinity truly exists and her as a person who 
believes in God, that would kind of make sense. And has actually like read the Bible and is well-versed in everything. So that makes a lot of sense, yes. Or it's something completely, completely unrelated and it's something completely simple and slightly dumb. I'm leaning towards she's actually realizing this might be something divine. I'm leaning towards the raining frogs from the sky is one of the plagues in the Bible. So the end is nigh because she can't feel God. If that wasn't there, I would go with it must be something completely ridiculous. But because she is not feeling the presence of the Almighty and now we have the first sign of an actual biblical plague i'm gonna go with that yeah i think the other option is still there but if i would if i would split it probability wise i'd say about 80 85 percent it's more likely because we go to the 80s later yeah it's always about the 80s who doesn't love a little bit of 80s but that is actually everything that i have on this scene the conversation between the two of them is like okay we learned that something happened to jimmy and apparently it's not good it's just moving the plot along which is literally what ella does in this entire episode yeah. So we go into the penthouse and here I was very, very happy for a short moment. And then I was a bit disappointed because we have Chloe standing in the elevator and she's coming in and she's fondling a Menadil's rod. <laughs> but she is being self-aware that her attachment to the rod is apparently a bit problematic and that she should hand it over and like lock it away and this beginning of a self-awareness that she is like oh there might be an issue and I should probably detach myself from it this is Chloe this is why she is the best why she is super cop and super mom and super detective and super Chloe and super everything so here I was like oh my god this is amazing and then it just falls to the wayside basically it's like no I'm not giving it away because I needed to come with you to hell and we're not gonna mention it again okay so I was like yay Chloe is awesome yeah no we need it for the plot so so, no. Yeah, I think that at this point she is aware, but that doesn't mean she wants to let go. And when she has the opportunity to reason away to keep it in her hand, she jumps on that. So I'm not saying that all of her reasonings about them being partners and stuff like that is wrong. The reasoning is great, but it's also very convenient. <laughs> it's extremely convenient. So at this point, around this point, we get our title card and we stay in the scene and debate the partnership and the true reasons, definitely true reasons that Chloe has to keep the rot on her. But I love that she simply decides that she is going with him. It's like, okay, when are we leaving? Which is perfect because yes, the two of you are now a fucking team. She is supposed to be supportive of him and she is not going to be a stay-at-home god partner. She is going to be with him fully and totally. We, of course, get the fucking Bones reference, which probably enlightened and amused you. Made me very happy. Chloe is a bit manipulative in this moment, but still, like we said, all the reasoning tracks. And then we have one of the best movements, I'm going to call it, with her hopping up in Lucifer's arm and him flying them away. And then whoosh, the Evo angel coming in with Dan, which is just so well done. The timing was excellent. It made me so happy. And it's perfect in every single way because they show up and instantly Dan goes, Lucifer, it's a trap! That it's so precious! Which we have talked about this at the end of the last episode when the emo angel is like, ooh, yay, I manipulated Dan into helping me. And we're like, no, 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 that's definitely not what's happening, right? He's doing his own thing. And luckily we were right, even though he is not perfect and he 
does not think this through. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. We love him. He's still the bestest bean. His intentions are very good and he really, really tries. He's the best bean. And obviously he's also now a fucking ghost. Yep. On earth. Fun. And I'm gonna get my ghost complaining out of the way here so I don't have to ever repeat it. The issue with ghosts anytime they show up is they pass through things, they can't touch things, yadi yadi yadi. He's still standing on the floor and not falling through it. And also she carried him from hell to earth, but she also had to carry him up into the penthouse. So why didn't he slip through her arms the moment they left hell? I can think of reasoning for that. I would say that he doesn't get affected by earth rules until the first time he touches earth. But he doesn't touch anything. That's the point. Okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna use that, I have no arguments. But yeah, essentially Dan is a ghost. We are sad. It's gonna suck a lot. That is a very accurate description. <laughs> He has no idea how much this is gonna suck yet, and I'm sure he'll find out soon. We go into hell, and I don't have much for the first hell moment, but when Chloe comments that the throne looks incredibly lonely, I was like, yeah. And that was such a sweet second between the two of them, when she like she grabs his hand when she says that and everything. So that made me very, very happy, because they are now functioning so well as a couple that some of the tenderness wasn't as present, you know? And so this moment was peak, decastar, tender, beautiful. So that made me extremely happy and a bit sad, because for count millennia Lucifer sat on the throne being extremely lonely. Yeah. But Chloe decides to wander off, of course, because she's Chloe. Don't wander off! Yeah, after Lucifer says something's off and do not wander off and I'm just so angry with the don't separate. Don't fucking separate. It's fucking Doctor Who all over again. It's any show. Like, if you watched any five minutes of fucking television, do not separate. However, I have a lot of questions about the door that she approaches because we can hear a piano version of Killing Me softly playing from behind the door. Do you remember when we lastly heard that on the show? Is it, Was that Father Frank? No. It was season two, episode 13. And it is what Uriel is playing on the piano in the hell loop Lucifer gets stuck in. Shit! I did not connect that. Thank you. So that answers one of my questions because I was like, hmm, I wonder whose loop is that? And especially since Lucifer then brings the call back, been there, done that, stopped my brother to death a million times. That is exactly why. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Mind blown. Thank you very much. I have nothing else for this scene. It was because he was like, been there, done. I was like, okay, wait, this must be a reference. Wait, didn't we have a song? Didn't you talk about the song? So I went and I checked when Killing Me Softly is used on Lucifer. And then it was like, oh, it's the hell scene with Yuri. I was like, ah. That is a layer that I don't think they expect many people to realize. And I love that. It's a Joe episode. So I would not be surprised. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Now I wonder if he wrote season two, episode 13 as well. Because if he did, then it would be a super easy callback for him because you wrote that episode as well. Yeah, stemmed from his brain. Possible. But that's also all I have for this. But I'm very proud that I got the song reference and you did because you're the song major of our relationship. Listen, I haven't been really putting that much time into the songs until season three. So that is true. But speaking of music, with the next transition to the next scene, we get a song and I tried to look for the song and me and hundreds other people apparently tried to look for this song. The only place this song is named 
is one of the websites that I use when I look them up. It's called TuneFind. And according to that website, it's called Rock and Roll by Czech Daggett. However, Czech Daggett as a person does not exist on the internet or <laughs> any of the other music apps and this song this name only exists on that website so I don't know where they find it but according to them that's that and I try to google the lyrics I try to find it in any way I could think of and for some reason it's just not out there if you happen to own a copy of this song please let us know if you happen to be the composer of this song let us know because Czechs Daggett definitely listens to our podcast that would be so amazing though like, can you imagine wow no for the scene in general Amenadiel is so awkward so awkward it is so very Amenadiel this entire scene and also this entire storyline in the episode for him feels perfectly in character with Ames and I love it they did it really really well and it also fits that he gets this apparently hard ass as a training officer who then in the end turns out to be the definition of a good cop so I love everything about it because it towed the line of cringy just enough for me not to be uncomfortable. And so it worked perfectly for me. It is very good. And Mace watching him do that and listening in. It's really funny because when Mace first comes in, she can hear the conversation between them. But after Ella walks away, she looks back at them and they just stand there in silence, which I'm sure is just because it's directed that way because they need to do the cutback on them to know that they're still there. But... They no longer have a conversation that would be audible to us, but we know that if they had a conversation in the first place, we'd be able to hear it because we heard it before. They stand there in awkward silence, Vero. Just look, staring at each other. It's so funny to me. To make it even more awkward for Amenadiel. Duh! And of course... The fact that Mace calls Ella Ellen in this moment when Ella calls her a softie. She always misnames Ella when she wants to. Also, did you notice Mace's eyeshadow in this episode? Because it is... You mean the gold? The whole... Like, it's different layers and everything. Holy shit. I think this is my all-time favorite makeup anyone has ever worn in this show and it looks absolutely stunning. I'm sorry, are you saying that it's not the guy liner on Lucifer in the first two seasons? No. What? Have you looked at Leslie Ann in that eyeshadow? I mean, come on. I know, it's definitely gorgeous. That was just like, I was, I was very distracted. <laughs> yes. But we're gonna go back to hell for a little bit because Lucifer has, is having trouble to find the door and when he finally finds it, he says, you have to be prepared for anything because I can even imagine how twisted and terrifying his hell loop's gonna be considering who he is. And then it turns out it's a cartoon. So that tracks. That definitely tracks. I found it very curious that Jimmy's door had no chains, which is a first. Of course, in retrospect, it is very obvious that his door is a motel room door, but still all the other doors had chains that we saw. I don't think so. Yeah. Did it? Yeah. Okay, it's possible. I don't know. I haven't paid that much attention to it. So that was very, very curious to me. And also I was a bit confused why Chloe keeps holding the rod in her hand instead of wearing it as a necklace like a Metadeal did. That would feel so much safer and stable and not easy to fucking lose it at any given point. Were you stressed out that she's gonna lose it? Yes. I can tell. It's okay. So I'm kind of... I don't think we have that many questions for Lauren German if we ever meet her. So maybe I put on the list. I think the, her holding on to it with her full hand 
and stroking it a little bit. Stroking the rod? Just works much better than putting it around her neck. All right. Okay, good. If you know what I'm saying. Yes. And now we're in a comic. And I hate it. I mean, first thing, obviously, that Lucifer must do is check if his dick's still there. So he does that. And it's not. It's not. And I hate it. I mean, it makes sense, though. It's a based on children's cartoon. And we've talked about that in the, in the special as well. Like, you hated it so much, but... To me, it makes complete sense. Oh, I don't hate the fact that he doesn't have a dick. I The fact that he pulls down his pants? I hate everything about the cartoon part with the butt chin, which supposedly was done by Tom Ellis's request, according to one of the pages I checked. I hate that Chloe is so chill. The animation style isn't simply something that speaks to me or works for me because none of those shows are shows that I grew up watching. So it doesn't really work for me. I'm gonna tone down on the cartoon hate. But so we're in the cartoon and we also figure out that ha ha ha, this is the wedding that Lucifer crashed in episode one. We remember that. Yes, and so does he. At least he has a good memory. Selective memory. (laughs) Well, I mean, yes. But we're going to do a little bit of a back back and forth here because we have two different storylines happening at the same time and the scenes are relatively short. So before we cut to the other storyline that is now intertwined with cartoon hell and field training, we see Lucifer's version in this hell loop which is of course a cliche cartoon devil that has the best hip sway when he's walking down the aisle because he knows what he's got so that part was entertaining but now as you said we cut back and forth between cartoon hell and field training and it's so awkward it's so awkward it's perfect Eminadiel just cannot be silent he can't not talk it's so hilarious it's physically impossible for him it's so funny and I love that she says don't really want to know and he just talks and she just doesn't react. I feel like he's trying to humanize himself for her because he heard that she can be really hard on a new trainee. I think he wants to show her that he's a good guy, that he wants this for the right reasons and everything. And he does. But he, in trying to prove it to her, he's going overboard, you know? But before it gets too bad... We get interrupted by a call and he did his homework. He remembers the code for graffiti, for vandalism. I mean, he better. He just got out of school where they teach them that. So, okay, vandalism. Yes, also an issue here. I've never heard of vandalism as the gateway crime. So I'm curious if that is a thing that Sonia just does to poke aims and figure out if he is a good or a bad egg or if that is an actual thing. I think so. I think that she is genuinely pressing anything that she can on him just to see him react. And he does. But my favorite bit about this scene is how much the cup is traumatized by Mace's graffiti. It's so funny to me. I want to see it. I want to see it so bad. I want to Leslie-Anne... having to have to recreate that for us in some way. I want to get her a spray can and a piece of wall when we meet her. That would be fucking messy because like spray cans are a fucking menace when you work them. But I want to ask Leslie Ann, whenever we do meet her, what the graffiti was that Maze drew that messed up the bike cop this heavily. I know, I just can't imagine what could it have been because it, he seems genuinely traumatized. I mean, since this is America and he says 
something with elderly and like he can never look at them the same way. I think it might be a very explicit, debauched sexual act involving old people. But how detailed did it have to be for him to be so traumatized? I mean, how apparently Mace an is an amazing Mace artist. Is. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, back to the cartoon. We realize that Lucifer is extremely upset about the depiction of the devil in Jimmy's Hellaloop. And he tries to get out of there, but the doors are gone. They are trapped. And he throws a massive tantrum. They are trapped in cartoon logic. I really, really like this scene because I just enjoyed classic Lucifer personality of trying something a million times even though he knows it's not gonna work just because he needs to release some pent up energy that he has about this whole thing and he's very angry at Jimmy now because one he hates him and two Jimmy literally depicts him as well that <laughs> in his mind in his absolutely broken traumatized mind so I'm not really we can't really blame Jimmy for that I mean we're not blaming Jimmy but also Lucifer is incredibly vain and he thinks of himself as a beautiful person with a button with a button but seeing that as a depiction as how somebody else sees him I think that he is really struggling with that and I find that amazing and he to do that and what Chloe does in the meantime she checks as if she She checks if she is also smooth down there. And look at that. She is. She is so relaxed throughout all of this, which is so alarming to me, you know? Mm, yeah. She's like, oh, this is fun. Danger. And we might die here or stay in somebody else's brain for the rest of my life. No worries. We go back to the field training part. And of course, it's no other than May sitting on the back bench in the car And she is trying to talk up a Menadiel that he looks strong and everyone is scared of him. Which is so incredibly cute. It is so obvious that she is trying to help him here. But she is failing so hard at it. Menadiel is being very honest and he admits to knowing Maze immediately. Which is very Ames. But still it is so sweet of Maze when she is trying. Aww. It's her way of showing love. Yes, and friendship and everything. So this is very cute. And of course, Sonia just keeps on baiting a Manadiel with the once a criminal, always a criminal line. And he reacts in exactly the best possible way. Because he makes his stand that he will never think like this. And so this is when he warms her heart a tiny bit. And she shows that she is actually human and that she was just baiting him. And that she actually drove the criminal, aka Mace, to a woman's shelter. Which is a great idea, actually. Because if somebody is finding illegal ways to channel their energy, it means they probably just most of the time need to talk to somebody. And if it's not anything serious or violent, the solution can be as simple as that sometimes. Especially given that the support system does not offer many other options there. So women shelter it is. And yeah, helping people is the actual police work. And so Emmanuel got the lesson and now he likes Sonia. And I think Sonia is starting to like him. And I also like Sonia. Yes, absolutely. But back to the cartoon, because Lucifer finally decides that he's gonna go help Jimmy and they get back 
to the wedding because another loop is starting and there is this whole back and forth of what Lucifer said or didn't say and how accurate it actually is. But I choose not to concentrate on that because what I actually realized that Chloe's first reaction is to fight, to punch somebody. And that is so extremely unlike her. So uh, I think it was supposed to be funny. I was not laughing. Yeah, me neither. Definitely laughed at the apple juice, though, because that was incredibly <laughs> <Yes>. funny. <laughs> no cursing, no alcohol, no genitalia. Amazing. Like, the level of detail. This is really Lucifer's hell. Indeed. It indeed is. And even the fact that he doesn't have his powers or somehow doesn't have access to his powers right now. It just all comes together. But Lucifer makes a very good point. He says that... He thinks that the only way out is in. And we've talked about hell loops being kind of constructed as an onion. Yeah, layers. Mr. Sad Out Bitch is basically our reference point for that. Yeah, yes. So we get to see that again in this episode. But right before that, he scares him with the devil face. And that looked amazing in the comic. That looked so good. That was even scarier than the real one, honestly. It wasn't scary at all for me, but it looked really good. Good. Actually, to me, yeah, I can understand why Jimmy was scared into a different loop <laughs> seeing that. And the loop is the 80s. And we get a great song by Duran Duran, which is called Hungry Like the Wolf. I do talk about this song and this band in my Devils in the Music if you're interested to hear. And also there is so many different things in the background. For example, we get to see Righteously Rat Records in the background, which is the name of a shop that I just loved. And it's extremely 80s and I love it. So did you not catch the in-universe reference to Penelope Decker? No. On the cinema, in the background, right next to the Radical Records, it says Elfia, Queen of the Quarks, which is one of the movies in the 80s that Penelope Decker starred ah. in. Yeah, I looked at the theater and I briefly wondered if this is the same theater that we've seen in where they were showing the Supercop. It looked similar, so I briefly paused on that and then I realized it's probably not. So I was focusing more on the star rather than Penelope Decker starring Elfia, Queen of the Quarks. Thank you. So... We are in the 80s, but we're not just in the 80s. We also have to go back into the penthouse where we have the other storyline of this episode. This episode is so full of stuff. And that is, of course, Dan trying to figure out how to be a ghost and trying to also get through to the emo angel. Like He is really trying. He is a good bean and he's a dad. So he is actually trying, but he is not succeeding. But he is being so fucking precious with all his attempts. But hot damn, her wings are so awesome. And when she cuts down the fucking statue with one swipe, wow, wow, hot, 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 hot. hot. And of course, she also likes 80s music because at the very end of the scene, she puts on a song called 20th Century Boy by T-Rex. So with the next scene, we jump to a different song, though. And it was gonna be My Devils in the Music when I originally watched this episode. I ended up going to Duran Duran for reasons that I explained in the actual bonus, but Bust the Move by Young MC is one of the most 80s songs that you could ever think of. And therefore, it is one of my favorites. That is very true. And as the music 
keeps on playing in the background, we get our title drop because Lucifer makes sure that his penis is back and it is. And that gets him to exclaim, Yabba-dabba-doomy! Yay. So I wasn't sure if you were gonna go into that, but the amount of 80s references in that scene in the background, we get the DeLorean, we get to see all the tapes kind of being rolled out and stuff like that. I didn't actually like frames frame it because I'm not you, but it just was so funny for me to watch. It was, most of it felt so natural to me that I didn't really actively pick up on it. Because yes, the DeLorean is a choice, but the tapes and the hairstyle and the clothing and everything, and most of like the names, name bits or brand bits that you see, it just was like... Yeah, that's the 80s. So I didn't even consider focusing on that. Instead, for you listeners wondering, the bonus for my part is about the history of cartoons. Which was extremely interesting. I definitely recommend listening to that. If you want to learn about cartoons and how they came into being, then listen to the bonus. And so we follow the five head, aka Jimmy, and Chloe mentions that none of the shops have doors, but some have open doorways. And that is actually something that keeps going on for quite a while, that all the door passages are open. And the only actual door we get is the one later on where they don't walk through. And then, of course the motel room door. So that I found very interesting and very well done. They follow him. It seems like a recording studio or something. And Lucifer, of course, comments on the guy liner and he is being a very, very negative about it. And I absolutely love the acting choice by Lauren German, what she does with her face. Because she doesn't say anything, but she's commenting on this with her entire face. She chuckles a little bit. It's so good. Yeah, sure. Guyliner. And Lucifer notices her reaction and it's like, what do you mean? What are you doing? Why are you laughing? It's not funny, but it's excellent. It's this self-consciousness that we love with this show. It's this bit that they do. I do miss the Guyliner. I mean, in the beginning, we had Guyliner watch and everything. Yeah, because it was everywhere. It was in every scene. And then it was just gone. Gone without a tear smearing it on its way out. Sounds sad. So regarding the band, I was very disappointed when I found out that it's not a real band that existed. Yeah, same. So once this child is as realistic 80s band name that is. And they looked apart. Yeah, right? That would have been perfect. Probably a rights issue. Like if they get an actual band then with the lookalike and everything. Mm, Yeah, I get it. Probably. But we get Jimmy being dropped by them and the disappointment. And this is the first time that, that we get the phrase and we get the... Shimmer with the female person flushing or appearing instead with the you're only holding me back. Mm-hmm. Which is, of course, a bit of a misdirect because in the end it turns out she didn't say it. Yeah. However, he might remember it this way because she did leave him behind and that is part of his torture. Yeah, but still, in the end, she isn't the one who says it. That is true. But we move on to a different room after, obviously, Lucifer backs some cocaine. The band breaks up with Jimmy and we transition over to him being on the phone. And he is now fucking bad-mouthing the Wednesday's Child. Or what was the name of the band? And what I didn't notice for ages was that someone else was in the room while he's on the phone. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, no, she's she's in the background. 
she speaks up but like no no this is she was like huh? where did she come from like what so we are in this it's it's essentially the same part of the hello because it's the same time wise right yeah he's the same age and everything it's right after he's punishing them basically for breaking up with him however it is another part of him having a fear to be abandoned and left behind again because he has the girlfriend there and we get a song underneath this uh, there is a music music video that we can kind of see in the background on the telly and it's called One Thing Leads to Another by The Fix which a little bit on the nose as per usual but it works really really well in this scene. Also with the band he was the one being broken up with in a way and now before she can draw any consequences because of his shit behavior as she perceives it and as it actually is he sends her away he basically breaks up with her and sends her out but he looks extremely unhappy so now he is basically as chloe i think says it or is it lucifer before she can leave you you leave her because that way she can't hurt you and that is basically it yeah that's that's basically it and this is a pattern that he's going to adapt for the rest of his life, essentially. So this is the moment when it first he starts actively taking part in uh, fucking people over in order to not be hurt. In being a destructive asshole, because if you destroy everything around you, nothing can destroy you, basically. And so this is the moment where Lucifer uses his powers on Jimmy and he asks him what it is he truly desires and he says for her not to go and then Chloe says go after her right no Lucifer says to go after really her. for once in your life go after her I thought Chloe got involved there but huh all right I mean they do they do work very much as a team in that scene they kind of follow up each other's questions and sentences so uh, I'm pretty sure Lucifer says that that's how I messed it up so I was very confused and surprised that his desire power works in hell. And I am kind of curious if this is some kind of foreshadowing or something. Because I'm pretty sure it has not been used before in hell. At least as we've seen it. Also, I can't really think of a reason why he would use it in hell. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, why? He doesn't really need it because he has a complete power over everybody's loop. So he doesn't need to draw their desires because they're already using their guilt. Yeah, also, he used to have no interest. So I'm curious if this is like a foreshadowing for something. So I want to keep it in the back of our mind. And now that Jimmy has gone after that woman, we get a door. Yeah, because he breaks his routine and he breaks out of the loops that he's been in. I think rather that Lucifer was able to mend his mind so now we have a door because we still have a loop. Well, yes. Well, do we though? Yeah. Is it a loop? Pretty sure. Eh. Anyway, yeah, that's not important anyway. Yeah, he minded, he mended his mind. He minded his mind. But of course, Lucifer can't just let the case, which this basically is, go. And Chloe is supportive in that. This is the case of the week. Fixing Jimmy. I mean, I understand. I think that you might be right. But I think that Lucifer is very good at dropping cases. So to me, it's a little bit more important than a case. Or to Lucifer, I think. When has Lucifer ever actually dropped the case when he was personally involved? Once he started projecting? He's not projecting here, though. Of course. He is personally involved in everything. He's personally involved, but he's not projecting. He's projecting his inability to care for everyone onto this entire set up and whenever he was personally involved he never dropped a case so i feel like i'm very accurate in calling this entire thing a case yeah i see where you're coming from it's just that chloe is not the detective lucifer is the detective more or less yeah the, the dynamic is different than we're used to with a case so now chloe is the muscle and lucy is the brain Ooh, because we're in a hell and that's his turf. 
So it is kind of good to see him go on after the case because he did finish or manage to complete his selfish goal and that would be the getting the door back and getting out of there. Yeah, but now he can pursue the actual goal, which is helping a person that he hates. And so we can now actually focus on what was the homework from the beginning. Yay! And we get deeper in the loop. We are real deep now. Now Jimmy is very young. And in a motel. See, so in this scene, we get something that it's not my most favorite trope. Because this is essentially saying that every shitty person in the world has a reason to be shitty. It's not an excuse, but they have somewhere they're coming from. And Lucifer saying, watching this happen and going, I understand you now. It doesn't excuse it, but I understand what's happening. I think it's just a humanity's desire to explain away shit things that are happening in the world. It could be in this universe, in fairness. It could be in this universe that... Everybody has a specific reason. But sometimes people are shit just because they're shit. So that's something that was a little grating to me. But we're looking for rules and principles, I think. Well, unless you are like a psychopath or a sociopath or anything, it is a philosophical question if the... Nature or nurture. No, not, not nature or nurture. If the base setting of a human is inherently good or bad... And many schools of thought and many philosophies subscribe to the fact that the human in itself is striving for good and for empathy and for helping others and for community and for togetherness. And so unless something happened to you that broke something of the original mold inside of you, then you would try to be within reason. We're not talking about like uh, fucking saints here or anything, but within reason, you would try to be a decent person. Hmm. Uh, it Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, like, I'm not extremely outraged about this. I just wanted to bring it up because I don't think it can always be the case. I don't think it's always... I would be with you on this train if they didn't have the explicit, it doesn't excuse it, but it gives me an understanding for it. That made me very happy. The fact that Lucifer says it doesn't excuse your actions but makes me understand you, that made it so much better for me. Because of that, I'm fully on board with it. If that had not been there, I would be here with the torches and pitchforks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but anyway, after this deep... The thing that completely ended up in the bonus. Yes, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, this beautiful psychological philosophical debate that we just had about our beliefs become a patreon on the believer level to be able to listen to the bonus to hear our beliefs when it comes to psychoanalysis and human brains we now finally managed to get out of jimmy's loop uh, lucifer makes him more or less content and leaves him behind they leave him behind in the motel room can we not skip over the entire thing that happens in this scene okay you go ahead though i don't really have anything else to say about this bit okay so we are now at the apparent core of jimmy's hell loop it seems to me because he is very young this is the origin of his trauma as lucifer calls it and this is where i get confused because i was under the understanding that guilt is what is keeping people inside their own hell. And only because of the guilt, they are not able to leave themselves. If you recognize your guilt and you figure your reasoning out and everything and you work past it, then you can go through your door and end up in heaven like Lee, Mr. Setup Bitch, did. So 
What does Jimmy feel guilty about? For holding his mother back. Does he honestly feel that he is holding his mother back and so he feels guilty about being the reason for her to leave? Or does he feel guilty about her leaving in another reason? I, I was so confused because they keep calling it his trauma and not his guilt. And so this was very confusing. I think in this case, it's interchangeable. He is traumatized into believing that his mother couldn't succeed with him on her side. And he is guilty about holding her back. But th if we equate now trauma and guilt, then this system is even more fucked up than I have already complained about it. Because being traumatized by something is so far out of your own control. Feeling guilty about something is something that you can work through yourself. Being traumatized by external things is not within your... That is not on you. You are not at fault for your trauma. And so I'm like, okay, people, I'm already not a fan of the health system in general. You're just making it worse. And I'm just not sure if this was deliberate or if this was, sorry Joe, lazy writing. Mm. I honestly think with this specific situation that his trauma makes him believe that the guilt that he's feeling is real. And we have learned that it is truly about the feeling of guilt, what keeps you in hell, and it's not about being actually guilty. But expecting souls to be able to work through their trauma on their own is expecting so much more of them than just expecting them to figure out their own guilt and work through that, which already is ridiculously problematic and hard for you yourself alone. There is a reason why Lee is the only one who actually managed to do that. Yeah, but still, like... And he was guided by Lucifer, essentially. Like I said, I already hate this system and they're just making it worse now. Yep, that's fair. But that is not enough. I'm still not done. So... Mom shows up, she's like, just watch your cartoon, she kisses his cheek, and she goes, she opens the door, we see the faceless man who says, he's just holding you back, and then he leaves. And then an unknown amount of time passes, and Child Protective Services show up in the worst way possible, basically beating down the door, grabbing him, pulling him out, and this is where Lucifer intervenes. And he rewinds everything, and basically puts Jimmy in another version of the new purgatory. Because now Jimmy is frozen in that moment with his mom by his side which of course is not an act of torture just like Dan isn't actively being tortured but also just like Dan now has no way of actually figuring out what his guilt is and ever having a chance to leave his hell so in fact Lucifer might have ended the torture but he took away any and all power and agency that Jimmy that Jimmy might ever have had in the situation. I think that he is trying to go for keeping him more or less content for now because he does say this will do for now. So I think that he might have a full intention to come back and figure out what's gonna happen next for Jimmy. Um, this feels very unsatisfying for me because I've already complained when we talked about Dan's purgatory that basically this is robbing Dan of the chance to figure out what is holding him in hell. And now the same happens here again. And so if third time's the charm, hopefully, if we do this another time with the new interpretation of purgatory, 
Hopefully someone finally fucking catches on that this is not a solution. And I hope that what you said is exactly showing or leaning towards that, that this will do for now, that we need a better solution for this in the long term. But I was very angry because we already have this issue once and now we have it twice. Like I think it's a little bit more complicated with Jimmy because he is still not completely there, I don't think, because he did go insane before he died. And the hell loop and everything seemed to be affected by that so I think for now he's gonna leave him in this purgatory situation which just makes it by the way even so much worse because that means every person that is not of sound mind when they died have even less of a chance to escape their hell I think you're overthinking no I'm saying the system's shit the system is shit and literally until like two months ago nobody knew that it's even possible to get out of hell yeah but now it's not equal opportunity for people to get out of hell now it's a different class system with the mentally unstable being the one with the shortest stick which they probably already had while they were alive so screw that hell no hell no So we'll see where this is going and if I uh, will have another hell rant because because the system sucks. The system does suck indeed. So we'll see how it goes. But now we leave the room and now from the outside it is very obvious that his hell door from the outside is the motel room door. Which is another reason for me while I say this is the core of his hell loop. And if he was able, if he ever is able to work through the guilt of his mom leaving, this is where he would walk out. I would say that his chance of getting out is to go with his mom. To make peace and understand that he was not holding her back. I don't think he can go with her. I don't think that's the solution. I think it's accepting that she even though she is his mother, is a flawed human being and that it is not his fault that she left him behind, that it was her choice and that it is her guilt and not his and that she should not carry the burden of her guilt of leaving him but instead accept that your parents are flawed, failing human beings. In case you didn't know, my mother is a psychologist, so I might have learned a thing or two. Does she have flaws? Many. Good that you know that. Being the child of a therapist or a teacher is one of the worst things you can possibly be, so... Oh no, child of a teacher here. Yeah, I know. Never first. Never first. Exactly. But no, we're outside. That's called trauma, by the way. Hey, I'm low contact with my mother, so... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I talk to my mom every day, not... Yeah, exactly. So now we're outside in the normal hell region. And they did well. I'm very proud of them. And now I'm even prouder because Chloe says that she wants to see Dan before they go. She has to see him. Yeah. And that makes me incredibly happy that she's like, okay, I'm down here and I can do this. I can face him. I need to see him. I need to do this. I want to do this. And this makes me incredibly happy. There is just one thing that kind of poked my brain a little bit. And that is, what are the chances that this was part of Chloe's plan to go to hell? I think she is so obsessed and distracted with a Manadil's rot at the moment that she did not have a fully thought out plan. But because she is still super Chloe, the moment that everything calmed down and the ending of the Jimmy loop and everything was very calm, very subdued. 
very quiet. And then she witnessed everything that happened. And Jimmy being put in a purgatory, which probably was like, oh, this is the second purgatory. Dan is in purgatory. We're in hell. I need to see Dan. I should see Dan. I'm here. I have the chance to see Dan. So I need to see Dan. Okay. So to you, it was not premeditated. To me, I had a slight bit of doubt. I kind of agree, but I did have a slight bit of doubt and I wanted to bring that up. If she wasn't this distracted by the rod, I would be with you. But also if she wasn't distracted by the rod like this, I don't think that she would ever asked. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She would still have gone... To go to hell. Yes, she would still have stuck to Lucifer's side because they're partners. Because she is supposed to be by his side and support him. Anyway, they walked into Dan's purgatory slash room slash precinct, which is uncannily exactly the same. I wonder if they built a new set for that. I mean, it makes sense that it's a precinct. And also it has been a precinct all this time. Exactly. So they walk in and they have a conversation. When Lucifer is finally accepting... the fact that he might be able to actually grow to care about every single person if he can grow to care about someone he truly hates. And that the two are not mutually exclusive, that you can hate someone and still care about them. And to me, this is really, really important for his potential position as God. Because that is, like, of course, in the original thing, you have to love everyone because God is loving. And then it's like, no, you just have to care about all of them. You don't need to love them. You just need to care about them and be willing to help them and everything. And that is enough. And so it is okay to still hate someone and still be willing to help them. Yes, thank you. That is a good baseline. So I was very happy. I do have to say, though, this is literally what Chloe told him at the end of the last episode, and he even acknowledges it. The only reason why we have this repetitive storyline is that I feel like he had to come to this realization himself rather than have being told, but it's still really not enough for me. It's repetitive. Oh no, it worked perfectly for me because of she said exactly that to him. He said, no way in hell. <laughs> and then he goes through it and then he realizes you were actually right. I'm sorry, you were right. I was wrong and this might work and I think I'm now finally ready to be God. And so the acknowledgement that she said it, that she was right and that he now came to the realization and now agrees with her, to me is an important part of their relationship. Because just because you're a pair doesn't mean that the experiences of one person are enough for the other person. You still have to make your own experiences and realizations and everything. But acknowledging that the other person helped you guide there is important. Not the, I told you so, but the, you were right. And the next time we have something like this, maybe I will not be as dismissive. And so this for me is relationship growth. And this is why I liked it. Well, they are so wrapped up in this conversation that it takes them a second to realize that they're in an empty room. <laughs> Which is so sad! Poor Dan! Where is Daniel? Aww. He's not there. No, he's not. But before we close up that part of the story, we need to wrap up a different part of the story, which we have kind of forgotten about for the last, what, 10 scenes? And that is Mace and Emanadil. And they meet at Lux. Lux before it opens, I think, right? Like it seems not open yet. I mean, there's stuff happening in the background, but is it's there a not song? Like a regular. There is not song. 
See, Lux isn't open because there is no song. Okay, fair. That's a good good enough logic. You're right. <laughs> Whatever. Yes! <laughs> so what happens at the beginning of this scene, I'm just going to point this out because I have been told multiple times that the word lame is ableist and shouldn't be used. And it has been used multiple times in this scene. So I just want to call that out and say Lucifer as a show you should know better, you do know better, please don't use that language. And it is different when we use it in a conversation that is not scripted. Because a script is fucking deliberate. And script is deliberate, exactly. So I just wanted to call We still should out. do better when just talking, but in just talking to slip up once in a while, it happens and we work on us and we try to get better. But when you write it down or you have people who proofread this, be more. And we know that you are more. So, you know, I just don't really understand how it made it in. It still happens. But hey, people and groups and studios grow and they get better. Listen, we have used it on this podcast multiple times and before we we were actually told. Before we became aware and now we know better. In this scene, it is so incredibly adorable because Maze so very, very obviously cares so much about Amenadiel, but her way of showing it is so very Maze. And it takes Amenadiel a surprisingly long while to catch on what she was actually trying to do. I think he's just so distracted by the fact that he is overwhelmed by this new job and he wants to do good that he doesn't actually realize what's happening. But in the end, he catches on and she verbalizes it, which makes me extremely happy because this is hard for Mace. This is something that she struggles with. And so I'm absolutely fucking proud of her for verbalizing it. Mace is is growing and I love her. Their friendship is just fucking brilliant. Yes. So it is a short and sweet scene and it gives me a lot of love. But that just means that we get to move on to the grand finale of this episode and we watch Lucifer going up in the elevator. His mobile works in the elevator, which I find surprising because my phone never works in elevators. What? Mine does. That's weird. You have a weird mobile or you have weird elevators in Germany. Dear listeners, do your phones work in elevators? Please let us know. So Lucifer is on a phone to Chloe obviously and he is looking for Dan and to his big surprise the door pings open in the penthouse and Dan is right there and this is where I need to have my next rant because Dan is leaning on the piano his hand is on the piano and he's leaning on the piano and he's removing the hand from the piano he's righting himself up he's turning around without moving from his position and saying Lucifer watch out and then the emo angel is emerging from him this only can work if he is not moving so a did she inhabit his body and force his ghost to not move or did he suddenly decide to work together with her? I think they may have been in a debate where she was sitting or standing next to him or like maybe sitting on the stool of the piano. I don't actually know exactly where he was standing. Next to the piano, right? Next to the piano. And why didn't he move when Lucifer comes in? It makes no sense. I seriously rewatched this scene. It makes absolutely no sense, especially given all the shenanigans we see in the beginning of the episode. So either Emo Angel can actually control Ghost Den more than we knew or he ended up helping her more than he wanted or lazy writing sorry joe i think it's genuinely just them having a conversation and he try him trying to talk to her and not expecting lucifer to walk in so when 
Lucifer shows up, Dan turns around and like lifts his arm and starts screaming out, Lucifer, watch out. And as he starts moving towards Instead him, of sidestepping and revealing that there is someone who wants to kill him. It makes no sense. He's a fucking cop. He knows better. Seriously. Apparently he doesn't. This finishes my ghost, Renteth. Okay. So the uh, angel daughter, emo, evil emo angel daughter. Supposed angel daughter. Supposed. Alleged. Alleged. Daughter. Emo angel, evil, supposed, alleged daughter runs through Dan and pins Lucifer against the wall. And he doesn't recognize her. So that tells me that she is not a regular angel in heaven because I would assume that he knows all of his siblings and everybody who's there. He does say that she is not one of his siblings. Exactly. And the genuine surprise on his face, I think, enrages her even more because how dare he not know who she is. And then she says, I'm your daughter. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then she says... I spent years of hating you and I'm like, what the fuck? And there's a lot of, like, she doesn't say that much, but like literally every single information that leaves her mouth is a what the fuck moment for me. And while all these what the fuck moments happen, her wings, her knife wings are pressing into his throat and drawing blood. So tense doesn't even begin to describe this moment. And so naturally, this is where the episode ends. Of course. And so let's see what I have to say about this episode as a whole. (laughs) And honestly, when I wrote my general thoughts, I didn't like the episode nearly as much as I now ended up enjoying it while we talk about it. The comic part, obviously, I hated. I grew to like the Lucifer Chloe part much more while we talked about it than I did initially. The realization for Lucifer is, of course, nice. But as I said in the beginning, Chloe's obsession with the rod being waved in our faces and then just being dropped rubs me the wrong way. But hey, we get a proper team. We get real teamwork. We get growth. We got more or less honest communication and everything, even if it doesn't come to fruition. So yay for Star. Ella having the cookie fury is really piquing my interest. I love that she's keeping the frog and I am extremely curious what will come out of this, especially given the context with there is no God and frogs raining down being one of the biblical plagues. So go Ella, use your Abrahamic Christian knowledge to figure everything out. Finally, please. It's about fucking time. Linda writing a book with no name changes or privacy or anything, as I said, is rubbing the wrong way. But I'm also happy that Linda has finally found a new obsession because she was a very listless and, and unfocused and unhappy. And now she seems to have found some drive with that. So I'm happy for her. I just hope that nothing bad comes out of it. Dan being back on Earth as a ghost is great on one hand because it means more Dan! But also ghost shenanigans never work well for the ghost. Doesn't really matter what show or lore or series or movies or anything you look at, ghosts always get the short end of the stick. So I worry about my boy Dan. I don't want him to go insane. I don't want him to be lonely. I don't want him to turn bad. I, I, you know, there's so many bad things that could happen to him now that he's a ghost on Earth. And I don't want anything of that happening to him. So, my boy. And then, of course, there is the bomb of the new angel claiming to be Lucifer's daughter. As far as we know, within the Lucifer's lore, angels can't have children. But a Menadiel then happened while he was 
humanish when he was having the struggle. And this is how Charlie came to be. So did Lucifer ever have a moment where he was so humanish that he could have fathered a child? And if so, why didn't any of the angels catch up on it? Because when Charlie was born, angels started to meddle with that, if you remember. And so since no angel meddled when emo goth angel girl was born, only one solution, she's not born yet. Or she's a full-on angel. So an angel angel baby, but that is also something that supposedly can't work. Or, of course, the most obvious of answers, she's lying. Lucifer is the only angel that doesn't lie. So an angels are dicks, mostly. So until proven otherwise, I'm going with she's a liar. Okay, so I enjoyed this episode on the fun level. The truth is, and I've said this throughout this episode a few times, they kind of already did the self-discovery towards what if I help somebody that I don't care about in the last episode. So I was like, it felt repetitive to me. I understand and kind of accept it better now when you pointed out that it is the growing of the experience. But I don't know. Maybe we just needed to see Lucifer helping a soul in hell as well as on Earth, which is another part of that, because that could be another hint to how to help Dan, I guess. That is a good point. That is actually a really good point. It's a thought that I had, but... I like that. Speaking of speaking of Dan, he is now part of the story that I was interested in, in this, in this episode, and that's the fact that he is now on Earth, even though it's just as a ghost. Celestials can see him, we know that. I'm guessing humans won't be able to, though, so that's not gonna bode really well for him. Probably trying to reconnect with his family. We don't really know because we don't have any ghost lore yet in the Luciverse. We don't, but generally, I would assume that ghosts can't be seen by regular humans because then it would be a bit chaotic on Earth, I would assume. But mainly, the thing that interested me the fuck most is the mystery angel being Lucifer's daughter. Because what the actual fuck? And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch, and hours of bonus content. Yes, Hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.